The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Growing up and also never feeling like I had a place in society, in a sense, helped me a lot. Suddenly, you know, I'm cutting loads of people in my area now. Mm. I'm like the area barber. And everyone, like, you know, goes slide this house. You know, I'm always cutting hair and it's free. I always tell people that, like, I grew up in London... But in my house, I grew up in Nigeria. I saw the manager on the street one day and I said, as a joke, I'm betting on one of your barbers. He was like, okay, come and take his place. When I opened up the shop, yeah. I had zero pence. Yeah. So I borrowed all the money. So yeah. I paid 60, 65,000 pounds for the lease. Yeah. So the money wasn't the issue to me. Yeah. I was just kind of like, I know I have to do this. Yeah. I just knew it'd work out. Became a booked up barber and then you started getting celebrity clients, right? Yeah. Anthony Joshua, LeBron James, Ludacris. How did that happen? Because that's like... You're not defined by where you, where you come from, yeah. and I think that's a big message that I always yeah. want to tell people. Like, like you have to be able to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. When you grow up in ends, you don't realize it when you're confident, but you have an audacity to do things that ordinarily most people wouldn't be willing to do. Welcome back to the Takeover Experience. We have a special guest in the building. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. You're very, very welcome. I, you've actually been on my list for a long, long time. So I'm really looking forward to uh, this conversation. Um, but before we start it, who who is Mark? Mark McIver is a human being. <laughs> <laughs> Second person I said that on the podcast now, we're counting. Oh, oh wow, okay. I'm not original. <laughs> no, um, I am, I'm a barber, you know, that's my main job, what I do like day to day, most of the time cutting hair. Yeah. I'm a dad, you know, to three children. I'm a husband. I do public speaking. Okay. I teach businesses, small businesses, especially how to grow their businesses and to run their businesses. I'm an author. I've written a book called Shaping Up Culture. What else is there about me? I'm a content creator. Actually. Okay. Okay. I'm a content creator. I create content, you know, I put content out, you know, every day mm. across the different platforms from instagram pinterest youtube tiktok linkedin what do you have twitter not mm. so much twitter but still put some stuff on twitter yeah you know so yeah I'm, i create content as well so yeah that 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 is me I'm, I'm interested about the content creation actually was that like a was that something that you purposely wanted to do to i guess to grow the brand or it's something that just came about mm. as you know i guess people started creating content actually i'm lying <laughs> yeah, I got my daughter here with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to get her on. She's actually tired, so she's going to um that's the stage where she's about to sleep. So, it, so if you hear some crying in the background, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> no one's been held hostage first or anything podcast like that. On a baby, yeah. <laughs> first first uh, baby on the podcast, shall I say yeah. actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what an experience. But yeah, with the content creation, um mm. it just came about actually. As videos, to be honest, it was when videos started, um, when Instagram introduced videos, okay. I started creating content, you know, and I guess I was probably one of the first people in the UK anyway, where I was making a lot of barber videos and as professional videos using a videographer to do it. Right. And I think that just came, it was just an idea. I think I'd seen a video, a barber video, maybe, 
whether it's on YouTube or somewhere. And I just like, <laughs> she might want you. <laughs> and now I'm have to bring her on. Yeah. <laughs> Not them. Yeah. So yeah, the content creation, mm. the content creation just came from when Instagram introduced videos. Okay. And I think like I was one of the first people, I think it was 10 seconds actually, yeah. initially with Instagram. And I think I'd just seen like a barber video, whether it was on YouTube or on Instagram. It wasn't from, definitely from the UK. And just someone just recording, yeah. doing a haircut and so on. So I, around those times, were like, I want to do, you know, some barber content. So I hired a videographer and he was just coming and filming like twice a month. Wow. And just creating a bunch of videos from those things there, you know. And there's just me cutting hair, quick videos. And also me like putting out messages mm. of just how I felt or what I was feeling about the barber industry or messages I had. Like I used to put out like notices to customers, like, you know, like a notice to a custom to customers, please wash your hair before you come here. Don't come with grease in your hair and okay. things like that. So okay, that's um, interesting. So barbers actually don't like that. Yes. Yeah. They know. I mean, I like, yeah, no, they don't like that. <laughs> like, no, no, that's not a thing that you should yeah. do. No grease in your hair at all. Not no even grease. if it's from the yeah. day before yeah. or the day after. People say things like, oh, but I put the grease in this morning. And the barbers are like, so where do you think the grease has gone? Yeah. <laughs> if it hasn't been washed out, where's it gone? Yeah, it's going to go on the cliff bar it's, it's, and all that. Yeah, it makes it harder to cut. So I just started putting out loads of stuff like that. Just, you know, just, mm. just my thoughts, mm. the haircuts, just my profession, just like what I just, I just put out content. So it just started like that. Yeah. And then from there, you know, as Instagram developed, you know, there's 15 seconds and it was 30 seconds yeah. a minute. Then now it's like not limitless. I think it's about 15 minutes now yeah. or something like that. So I just progressed as time went on. I was just, you know, going with the flow and creating more content and then, you know, being sharpened by other people in a sense of, you know, I'm putting out content and you see someone else's content is like, oh, I like that. You know, that looks good. You know, that I should do something like that. You know, just being influenced by different people. And that's how the content creation came about. Okay, cool, cool, cool. That's, that, that, that sounds fantastic. Let's uh, go back a little bit and talk a bit about your story. I guess, where are your parents from? Nigeria. Nigeria. Both. Were you born there, here, somewhere I, else? I was born here. Both okay, my parents were born in Nigeria, but I was okay. born here. Cool, cool, cool. What's I guess what's it like your connection to Nigeria? Do you go back often? Do you not go back? I haven't been back since I was younger. Okay. You know, I haven't I haven't been back. I've wanted to go back over the last yeah. probably ten years, maybe. I've wanted to go back. Mm. My mom kept on saying that um it wasn't the right time and oh not now after the elections. No, not It's always about the election. <laughs> yeah. All the time. Don't yeah. go, it's dangerous. You know, yeah. it's dangerous, you know, not right now, you yeah. know, soon, all that stuff there. But you know, so I haven't been back. But my you know, I always tell people that mm. Like I grew up in London, England, you know, this is, this is the, you know, the culture I grew up in. This is the country, the town, the city I grew up in. But in my house, I grew up in Nigeria. Mm, okay. That's interesting. You know, <laughs> I like that. I know what you, I know <laughs> what you mean when you say that, because I'm Nigerian yeah. and I get, I get what you're saying. When yeah. you, wow. That's interesting. Can you explain, elaborate on that a bit more for people that don't quite understand that? So in my house, there's all Nigerian food. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it was the rare occasions when we had like, you know, call it English food whether that would be chips mm. you know something like that you know and we looked because we had Nigerian food so much we looked forward to those times when it was like I used to hear people in school they'll say things like you know oh you know like chips and blood on you know chips and something you know that's like that's rubbish or something and in my head I'm like oh, that's, it's amazing to me because you know for me it's rice and stew every day most days it's rice and stew yeah. you know it's pounded jam it's yam you know is the obolo is f4 you know all the different like mm. dishes like this is this is how i grew up in my household you know and i love the food yeah so when but when we had something different 
that's why it was like a real big treat to have something as small as chips. Yeah. It's like, whoa, we're getting chips, you yeah. know? And then um, everything else, you know, from the way my house was laid out to things like the broom we used, you know, if people came over to our house who weren't like Nigerian, they didn't understand why we had these, these a bunch <laughs> the of sticks, stick rooms, yeah. the sticks, you know, oh, man, together, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, it's just, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> so when I say, you know, I you know my house was Nigeria, mm. it's because my mom's culture, she was born and raised in Nigeria till she was 20 something years old. Yeah. So she was Nigerian, fully fledged Nigerian. Yeah. So she didn't know any other culture mm. to adapt to. So when she came over here, everything she was doing in Nigeria, she did here. Yeah. You know, yeah. everything, you know, like just, you could, fingers. when I go into Nigerian people's houses now, like older people's houses, you can always just tell it's a Nigerian house. Mm. Like I just know, you know, just having, growing up in that environment and, you know, going to auntie's houses, there's a similar thing they all do. Yeah. Like, you know, they all like hoard, they all stack <laughs> loads of things above, you, you know, like, you know, yeah. they, you know, I think this is one thing which is kind of like dying out, which I don't see anymore. Mm. Just the big bags of rice. Yeah, that That's, is, yeah, that is dying out. Yeah, you know, the but, 10 kg bag. Yeah, yeah they have yeah. to drag from the market. Yes, yeah, 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 I remember that. But before, it's like yeah. you go to people's house, you just stand there, you see yeah. like the big, big bags, you know? <laughs> <laughs> crazy, crazy. So what what um area did you end up growing up in mostly for what, most of your life? Yeah, Most of my life, I'd say, was Camden, like Gospel Oak in Camden Borough, okay. which I stayed there from 10 years old till I was 26. Okay, cool. So that's majority of my life. Before that, I moved around a lot. Okay. We moved around all around Northwest. Mm. Lived in Neasden, Kingsbury, wow. Kilburn. Wow, so Northwest to the North side. Yeah, um, yeah. I think Elscourt is where I was born. Yeah, so we moved around all around like Northwest. And then now I live in Hackney. Okay. So from 26 to now, which is 38, so for the last mm. 12 years, mm. I've lived in Hackney. And I guess in your formative years, so you said between 10 and what was it? 10 and 26. Okay, 10 and 26. I guess... What was that like for you growing up in the area? What was it like growing up around Gospel Oak? To be fair, I had a great, I had a great childhood. Even though there's like there's loads of things I could, you know, pull on and say, you know, why it wasn't maybe a great childhood. But I think everyone can kind of like look at something and say why they feel like their childhood wasn't the, the best. Yeah. But I, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was just you know, it was a very basic life, you know. Yeah. But there's a there's a play center basically next to our house. Okay. Or, you know, not that's ne- cool. Not right next to our house, but. I don't know, seven minutes, eight minutes walk away in the mm. park. We used to go there most days as a kid, mm. you know, which was a lifesaver because I guess, especially at times like in summer holidays, when my mom had four children mm. and she was by herself, I think, you know, being able to go to that that play center, which was yeah. like from 9 a.m. till 4 p.m., I guess it was just easy because my mom just knew we were there. Me and my little brother, who's a year younger than me, we were just there, you know. And then she needed us before, you know, there were any phones, you know, there was, I don't think the, the play center didn't have a phone either, yeah. but if she ever needed us, she just walked to the play center. Okay. We're just there until, yeah. until the, from the beginning till the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I enjoyed it around where, where I lived, right? And I think I was very fortunate to grow up where I grew up as well, because I grew up also on the cuffs, which was like, of like, so Gospel Oak is, for those who don't know where it is, if you know where, if you know about Hampstead or Hampstead Heath. Mm. So if I come up my house and I was to turn right, I'm in Hampstead Heath. Mm. But if I turn left, then I'm going towards um, like Holloway, like New- Tufnell Park, Holloway. Mm. So I grew up kind of like right on the cuffs where it was like, you know, you had kind of like a very well-to-do area. Mm. And then you, on the, on the other side, it's like yeah. a, a kind of like a yeah. more poverty-stricken area. Yeah. Right. So I grew up right in the middle. So I got the kind of the, the best of both worlds, mm. you know, and I, when I look back on my life, mm. I realized the benefits 
of that and how fortunate I was just to even be in the in-between and just see the different lives and different mm. worlds because um, I feel like some of it influenced me, especially like yeah. the well-to-do part, even though I didn't realise that these people were well-to-do. I didn't realise that, you know, some of these people lived in million pound houses mm. and things like that. You yeah. know, I, I, I had no clue. I was in a council place. I, I guess I assumed everybody was... I know I didn't know what counts. I, I didn't you know. Didn't, what, I, didn't I didn't know. I, I didn't, you have an understanding. I didn't even think of it to be yeah, honest. You yeah, know. Yeah. And so to me, everyone's just like you know, you go to someone's house, a friend's house, or someone from your area, and it's kind of like you look back now and think, "Oh, you live in Primrose Hill and quite a big house." Now I think about it, it's like, yeah, that was um. Yeah, your family are really well to do, aren't yeah. they? <laughs> yeah, even if it's a council estate, it's worth yeah. it's worth a lot of money, especially yeah. around like them them, them Hampstead Heath area. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, what you said that it had an influence on you. What kind of influence would you say that it had on you? I think the influence it had on me was subconsciously the way I saw life, and I feel feel like I must have taken some things from the people I was around because mm. that's why it's you know it's all subconscious that you don't know you can't see it mm. but you know seeing the way let's say some of the people in the well-to-do areas lived in comparison to some of the people let's say on the left side of me which would have been um in the more poverty-stricken areas you know um lived I think I think it done something with my mind and I can't I haven't worked out exactly what it was yeah or worked out to say yeah this is what what happened mm. but when I just look back at my life I always think it must have had some type of influence yeah. in the way I see life, like in the, in even the route I've taken, the mm. road I'm going down, mm. um, the way I speak. Yeah. You know, so I never ever spoke like, you know, quote unquote, let's say like, like loads of slang. We all spoke slang, really? but you know, yeah. no, I spoke slang. We all use slang yeah, words, I mean, yeah. but some people like their whole vocabulary was slang. Was, was slang. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Another language for it's some people, another, honestly, speaking another language. You know, <laughs> and I never really had that it was kind of like you just use slang you know the words whatever it is you know like you know things I even say now which you don't even realise it's become part of your language and you don't even realise it's mm. actually slang like you know mm. oh those guys have they got beef and it's like that's actually yeah. slang yeah. you know because beef is meat it's food but I feel like you know but the way these people were living the way these people were speaking I think the interest the things they had like so like I had a friend growing up she had a horse mm. okay you know, and I remember, a horse, okay. Yeah, and I remember we went... Definitely um, a wealthy person. Yeah, and I remember, you know, we went to... Uh, a few times we went with her to uh, where her, the stables where her horse was, mm. you know, and, you know, I remember going on the back of the horse with her before, just constantly falling off. You know, but I think like all of those things there, those yeah. experiences there, those little things there, I just feel like it had to kind of like influence me and shape my mind and kind of like have some, some type of input into yeah. the way I look at life, yeah. right? Yeah. Because that's what the influence is. So example, you know, they say as example, whether it's like middle-class people or working-class people, they said a lot of the middle-class, um, what makes someone middle-class or some of the things that make someone middle-class is their interests. Yeah. But where do those interests come from? Mm. Your environment. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. you know, so why would they want to go horse riding as example? Yeah. That's the environment you grew up in. Yeah. So example, I'm not into horse riding, but mm. if I did get into horse riding, mm. where would that have come from? Yeah. My yeah. environment. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, play, I played tennis growing up. Okay. Because, wow. in, because in my estate, there was a tennis court in the middle. Oh. You know, so yeah. it was like, okay, well, when we're outside, especially when we weren't allowed to leave our road, mm. we were always in the tennis courts and that was mm. easy. So my mom just could come out yeah. and she'd walk right and then we're in yeah. the tennis court playing. You know, um, we didn't have rackets. We just, you know, but somehow we got rackets, you know, just so on in, in the estate, you know, then every day we're playing tennis with each other. Okay. You know, we even had a, we even had a league mm. in our area. <laughs> yeah, the league. <laughs> well, we had a league. Yeah. I, was, I was ranked number four <laughs> in the league. It was, um, it was, it was, there was a guy called Gavarilli. He was ranked number one. He was like the best in our area. You know, then there was my older brother, Philip, who was number two. 
that I think it was me and a guy called Marius. It was always between me and this guy called Marius, who was number three and number four. Mm. You know, who's Gavarilli's younger brother. So it was like, it was like the, you know, the brothers. It was like my older brother was second, then I was third and fourth. And then um, me and Marius, you know, which is Gavarilli's younger brother, yeah. was, you know, third and fourth as well, you know. And, and obviously my older brother and Gavarilli, and Gavarilli were number one and two. Yeah. But even things like that with my interests, mm. you know, little things like that, you know, because it's on my doorstep. Yeah. Now, you know, I'm interested in no, tennis. Interesting. You know, okay. so we used to watch tennis growing up as well. Yeah. You know, um, you know, into the things like you know, my favorite player was um, Andre Agassi. Mm. You know, my my younger brother's older player was Peter Sampras, but I think because my younger brother's name is Peter, <laughs> you know, so I think Aye. you know things like that. You know, um, just you know, having all these things around me, these influences, I feel like they played. They must. They, I feel they must have played a yeah. part yeah. in the way I kind of went yeah. in life. You know, even things like I remember, like man, one of my next door neighbors, like some of my neighbors. I remember two of my neighbors actually. They used to go for walks all the time. Mm. So sometimes me and my brother would go on walks with them. Yeah. Or, you know, or me or my brother would go on walks with them. I remember like, you know, my, one of my neighbors, um, Naomi, shout out Naomi, Nye, <laughs> shout out Nye. Um, I remember just going on a walk with her, her mum and her sisters. And they just, they were just going on a walk. It wasn't like they were walking anywhere. It was just kind of like they just walking up somewhere then walking back yeah remember like so like, my, like my, my friend across the road you know banny and his family they used to go like walking through the forest mm. so you know wow different upbringing man so i used to go yeah. walking through the forest sometimes yeah. with them you know a couple of times they used to go running in the yeah. forest you know and now i'm running in the forest with them yeah so that's what i'm talking about my influences you know but in my household none of this stuff was happening through my household mm. in a sense yeah you know but because of the environment which i'm in right now I'm yeah. doing some of these things, yeah. which I would never be doing, yeah. you know, but then obviously then I'm hanging around with my other friends, you know, mm. from, let's say, you know, Holloway and we're not doing none of those things there. It's more about, you know, or some of my friends, maybe even from Camden, mm. you know, and maybe those things were just like, you know, MCing, mm. DJing, yeah. walking around the streets, mm. just walking around, just doing nothing. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, just yeah. doing nothing. Yeah. Looking for something to do. I don't know. Yeah. Just kind of like, you know, so yeah, that's why I said, I feel like all these things must have had a impact. Mm. And I think definitely did have an impact. And I, I always say, you know what, I'm, I feel very blessed and fortunate to grow up, to have grown up where I grew up. It's crazy because I feel like that kind of thing, with, when you have so much experiences at a young age, I feel like it expands your mind yeah. a lot. Yeah. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't think I was doing walking or I don't, I definitely didn't know nobody with a horse. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't walking all the time. I don't time. even know A couple of times I just now. jumped on their walks yeah. with them, you know, but I just think even those couple of times I jumped on their walk yeah. with them, I feel like that, that's, I remember, yeah. I remember it feeling so kind of like, it felt boring to some, I remember it felt kind of like boring, but at the same time it mm. felt subconsciously, it felt very um nice. Yeah. I just remember it was just kind of like, they're just walking. Mm. It just felt quite just 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 mm. nice you know <laughs> is it so um did you school in area as well i schooled in archway so i went to a school called st aloysius okay cool. so not far it's only, I like, like i've heard of this school before is it notorious uh, no not like... notorious i don't know it's not notorious but um like i've heard of it some people went down at joe cole went there the football okay. player okay. um flawless the group yeah they most of them went to or okay. some of them should i say that the founder went there yeah um there's a bunch like daniel kalua Okay. He okay. went there. Wow. Dappy from N Dubs. Okay. He it went there. A lot of. Um. Yeah. I'm trying to think who else. There's there's a bunch of people. I'm I'm, I'm there's forgetting. Lot of celebrities. Um. Right now. Um. Yeah, if you know Femi, he's he's a filmmaker. Um. He's in he's in adulthood, kidhood, yeah. and he now he's oh, made yeah. films like Intent, I think, and okay. things like that. Wow. And, you know, he he went to the school as well. Wow. Um. And there's other people as well. There's other people. Yeah. I went there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you went there. So actually, how, how did you find school, actually? 
School was um, great for me yeah. because before I moved to Camden, I grew up in a lot of like, not a lot, but I went to, no, before I moved to Camden, I went to schools where I was like the only black person in the school okay. or me and my brother were the only black people in the really? school. Really? Okay. Yeah. Like, you know, one of my schools I went to in Dollis Hill Lane, mm. I remember just me and my brother were the only two black children in the school mm. and children. So I experienced like quite a bit of racism, mm. but I always feel like... <laughs> Yeah, it was direct racism. Kids didn't know what they were doing or saying. So obviously they're probably just hearing some of the stuff from their parents, to be honest. But it was, you know, just didn't want to be around me because, you know, the, you're the black kid, you know, thought I was the, like dirty. They thought, you know, um, they, and I think they genuinely thought, you know, like the black skin was actually just dirt, you know, because if you scratch your skin and it kind of goes white a little bit, right? They just thought that was dirt coming off your skin. Mm. It's just like, you know, it just hadn't been creamed. But, you know, so I remember having like some of those experiences there and always feeling like an outcast and all the schools I went to because we moved around a lot as well so I think also moving around a lot meant that when I never had the opportunity or time to actually just settle in and just have yeah my people in a sense right yeah, so I was yeah. always the, I was always the new boy in every yeah. school and when we went to schools where you're the only black child as well mm. it made it feel even even more secluded but I remember when I went to secondary school it was like the first time where I went to school and half the year was black mm. so I remember just like right half the year and not only were they black a lot of them were African Okay. You know, so yeah. it was like, right. It was like, it, school was good. It, I I felt I had my place and we didn't move schools. I stayed yeah. there from year seven to year 11 as well. Mm. So yeah, school was was great for me. And it's a very athletic school as well. They were really into their sports. Yeah. Running, basketball, football, cricket. You know, I was in every team. Wow. I, you know, every team. Choir. I was in choir. I was in drama club. Every club there was, I went in school because I wasn't allowed out after school. Okay. But my mum let me, if I wasn't doing anything with school, my mum was always cool with it. Mm. So I just joined every club because yeah. it meant that I was able to mm. do some stuff instead of yeah. going home and just being at home. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm in the choir. I'm in the drama club. Okay. I'm in the basketball team. I'm in the football team. Mm. I'm in the cricket team. You know, wow. if I was at school till 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, my mum didn't mind as long as it was to do with school. Okay. <laughs> you know, so, wow. so wow. I took every opportunity wow. and I was in everything I could be wow. in, in school. Wow. I mean, did you react positively? positively or negatively to not being allowed out I guess at a young age did you understand why like you I just thought my mom was strict okay you just thought your mom was strict, <laughs> mom was strict. Okay. but I reacted positively in a sense yeah. of I just found other legitimate things I can do I say legitimate like as if it like it was illegal but it was illegal <laughs> in my house to be out after school yeah. so yeah. I just found other ways of things I could do like mm. in school so I just joined every club mm. you know and that was subconscious that wasn't a thing which I was like you know what since I'm not allowed out I'm going to join every club but I think that probably played a part because maybe if I was allowed out, I wouldn't want to be, you know, mm. in school, after school, doing some of the things yeah. maybe I was doing, you know. But maybe because I wasn't, it was like, well, you know, I remember saying, you know, my mum was always cool with me being in school, no matter what it was, you know, if I'm at yeah. school till 11 o'clock, cool, because it's school. Yeah. So I think that played a positive, um, had a positive impact on me because, you know, I joined all these different clubs, you know, yeah. like growing up and also never feeling like I had a place in, um, in society in a sense helped me a lot mm. because I didn't become recluse instead I was always just not settled in one place but I was yeah. always here there and everywhere so I used to go to youth clubs for myself when I got to the age of like let's say around 16 right mm. when you know now I've got more freedom you know my, my mom's letting me out you know I've got a curfew still but my mom's letting me out yeah I used to just go youth clubs for myself like okay. different youth clubs like you know I'd be like oh, I heard wow. there's a good youth club in Archway and I'd be there by myself wow. and go MC you know, then there's like, oh, there's this club in the new club in like, you know, Kilburn. So, you know, mm. try it. Oh, there's this one in, in, in Camden. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, going there go by myself, 
you know, and then I met so much people when I was younger, mm. you know, through all these different things, like different youth clubs, different projects. I used to join any project there was, because, you know, like, I can't remember them, but like, I think it's probably connected to youth clubs where they used to have all these projects. How would you, I don't know, how old are you? I'm 34 now. Okay, yeah, yeah so yeah, you're yeah. from a similar age. Yeah. Where there used to always be these different things. Mm. If you were connected to youth clubs, they were always like kind of projects. Like, you know, almost like the Prince's Trust like type thing yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. before it was the Prince's Trust. Yeah. They just used to always be things that, you know, that youth clubs would do and the extra curriculum things you could yeah, do. And I was yeah, just like, yeah, I was yeah. involved in everything. Okay, You know, I, wow. just, I, I just always just got involved in everything. Yeah. And if I heard about something that was good, you know, even though I used to, be a little bit shy and I, mm. I just used to just go, you know, cause yeah, I just wanted to occupy my, my time. time. Then yeah. I had friends everywhere. I had friends in Camden, friends in Kilburn. I had friends in Holloway. I had friends in Hackney. So I'd always see my different friends in different yeah. places. You know, I hang out at different places. So I feel like I kind of embraced it in a good way mm. because then I got older, you know, even with the career I have now. And I realized I just know so many people. Mm. And sometimes I guess people feel why and how do you know so much people? It's just cause I traveled so much as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they'd be like, oh yeah, I know that guy from when I was younger. Oh, that guy went to the same youth club as me or that youth club. And it's like, which youth club? You know, I was like, yeah, yeah I went to Kentish Town one. They're like, but I thought you went to just the Camden one. No, I went to one in Kentish Town. I went to one in Camden. I went to one in Kilburn. I went to one in Archery. I went to one in Holloway, mm. you know, and these are all real places of different youth clubs I used to go to as well. So I'm not yeah. even like just throwing out random examples. This is real examples, you know? So yeah, I've, I feel like it helped me to like, you know, just to spread my wings and be out there. I used to, I went like drama school as well. Mm. You know, I went drama school. I went, went drama Sil school yeah. too. Wow. I went Sylvia Young. You okay. know. Um, wow, you, you know, did a lot. You know, so yeah, <laughs> I occupy my time. Yeah. You know, I squeezed a lot into my time. Mm. Wow. So I guess I'm trying to understand where did, I guess, your journey to becoming a barber, where did that actually like start? Did it start from young or was it a little bit later on in life? It started from, it started from when I was probably about six, seven years old. Okay. I wasn't cutting hair, but that's when I think I started taking an interest, maybe seven, eight years old, maybe, mm. when I started taking an interest in people's hair. Okay. So I used to look at people's hairstyles, mm. you know, um, so there was different people from people like boy bands, take that, you know, I remember at a time in my school, everybody had curtains, you okay. know, I was like, it was like me and like one other black child, you know, in the class, mm. but everyone else had curtains. So it was like, and most people were white. I remember there's a Filipino um, child in, in my in my school as well. But everyone, you know, they could all flick their hair anyway. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. they all had curtains anyway. You know? I remember everybody, it was the stage when everyone had yeah. curtains and everyone used to always be doing this with their hands and flicking their hair. And I remember <laughs> being like, I want to flick my hair. <laughs> you know, I want to flick my hair. I, oh, I want to flick my hair. Yeah. And then you look on TV and it's like David yeah. Beckham and he's got yeah. curtains or yeah. Lee Sharp. All the representation. You know, you know Lee right? Sharp, from, I remember Lee yeah. Sharp, I think he played for Man United. Yeah. He's got, you know, you know, all the... Take that, whoever it is. Everyone had, you know, yeah. you know, curtains. And I remember like seeing an American TV show and it was hang time. And this guy in hang time had like, I can't, probably like a number three, number four on top with a mm. skin fade, right? And I remember being like, I want that hairstyle. Cause now I started seeing people with hair like me. Mm. So now I could almost say, okay, these are different hairstyles I can have, right? So it's like, yeah. okay, yeah, I want that hairstyle. Okay. Like I really want that hairstyle. So I remember, you know, I was always just looking at hair. Mm. So when I was like, but sorry, but I was getting home haircuts. Okay. From like my mum. <laughs> yeah. You know. Where my mum haircuts, man. Yeah. Bald head. My mum yeah. used to just bald my head. Just bald it. That just was bald it. Like, remember, so we'd have to come outside. We we have to come outside. We'd be sitting there in our pants and singlet, yeah. you know. Yeah. And just my mum was just just take it all off, right? Yeah. Oh, you know, man. so I was like, so when I'm looking at people's haircuts, I'm like, I want a good haircut, man. And it's just like bald head, bald head. So when I 
I was 13 and now I'm in secondary school, like year eight. And I'm just like, I want a good hairstyle and I'm still getting home haircuts. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to try it myself. Okay. Because, you know, I'm seeing all these children in my year in my school. They've got lines, they've got borders, they've got yeah. fades, they've got low fades, skin fades, number one, they've got waves, they've got all these different things. And I'm like, mm. I need one of these haircuts. So I'm going to do it myself. And that's where it started when I picked up the clippers because I couldn't afford yeah. to go to the barbershop. Yeah. You know, I messed my haircut up, messed it up, had to go bald, got, then got suspended from classes because um, I got suspended because my hair was too low. <laughs> really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Hair, hair was too low. So, next grew hair grew out, you know, was allowed back in class. Mm. Next haircut, I need a haircut. I still mm. can't afford to go to the barbershop. Yeah. So I cut my hair again. Mm. You know, it was still went bad. <laughs> Horrible. I remember I pulled my hairline back far. For like for a period of time, I was giving myself horrific haircuts. Was this you doing it on yourself? Yeah, I was okay. cutting my hair myself. Okay. But I was finding it interesting. But then yeah. progressively I started getting better yeah. and better and better. So then, you know, I started cutting things like my little cousin who was living with me. Mm. You know, then it's like my brother every now and then. My brother used to do this hack where he'd get a haircut from me, mm. then he'd go to the barbershop, you know, and then they would um, fix it up for okay. cheap for a couple of pounds. Because it's yeah. kind of like, it's faded, but it's not a good fade. Yeah. And you know, it's been taken down. So, he, yeah. so they'll be like, okay, we'll just shape you up and we'll kind of just fix up the fade in like yeah. a couple of pounds. So that was his hack. Okay. One of his hacks, <laughs> you know. Um, but progressively, I just started getting better yeah. and better, you know. And then suddenly, you know, I'm cutting loads of people in my area now. Mm. I'm like the area barber, okay. you know. And everyone, like, you know, goes sliders house, you know, I'm always cutting cutting hair and it's free as well. You're doing it free. You weren't well, charging. Okay. No, I was, charging. I was just cutting hair. I, was, I enjoyed it, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. I just enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, then when I was 18, when I was 17, actually, I was about to turn 18. Mm. I thought, you know, I became to a place where I was like, I'm, I'm a good barber now. Mm. And I was about to start working in, my auntie had a friend who owned some type of cab station yeah. and they were converting it, I think, to something. They wanted to convert it to maybe like a hairdresser's and they wanted a barber in there anyway. So yeah. I was about to go and have my own space in there. And I thought, yeah, okay, I can get all the people from my area and I can cut them in there. Yeah. But that never happened and it fell through. Then my brother was going to the barbershop, this different barbershop. And he was like to me, yeah, you're better than that one of those barbers in that shop that he goes to. And I, and also every now and then I used to go in there because I used to go there and chill and hang out and just watch them cut hair. Yeah. Okay. You know, and my friend's older brother used to work there as well. So me and my right. friend would go there, I'd go there with him, with Nigel, his friend, his older brother, Charles used to work there and we'd just be watching. Like, okay. well, I was watching them cut hair. He was just there, I guess, just chilling, you know, mm. taking in the banter, all yeah. the things there. But I, I used to watch them. I used to ask them questions. I used to say, oh, why do you hold the clipper like that? Yeah. You know, I'd be like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. And I was just stealing the craft from them, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I was taking all this information, you know, yeah. and taking it home, then mm. cutting clients and using what I saw on them. So then when I was 18, my brother said, I'm better than one of the barbers in that shop because he was going there to get his haircut. You know, or when I was just 17, so about to turn 18. So I saw the manager on the street one day and I said, as a joke, I'm better than one of your barbers. He was like, okay, come and take his place. Wow. And I was like, whoa. Wasn't expecting that. Yeah. I was, I, <laughs> what, just dump the man like that? I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm joking. In my mind, I'm joking. I said, right, he stuck it on me. Yeah. I was like, oh no, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Then every time he saw me from then, he was like, when are you coming to work? Mm. When you come to work? When you come to work? And I was like, I wanted to work there, right? But my issue was that I was scared to cut a real client. Mm. I was like, if I cut a real client, I mess them up. It's going to be on me, you know? A lot of pressure. So I kept saying no. Yeah. Then one day after them saying it quite a few times, I said, okay, cool. Because I just saw it as, if I mess up a client now, then that's your business. That's your fault. Because you keep yeah. asking me to be here, right? Yeah. So then, I, you know, I came down on a Sunday, you know, was working there one day a week, you know, then 
progressively went to two days a week mm. then I was working around college then suddenly I'm working around college I'm working before college after college and then wow. I finished college and decided I didn't want to do anything in performing arts because mm. that's what I was doing at the time performing arts and then um, I just went into full-time cutting hair from there from from college from college wow, yeah wow. but I made a promise to myself because I said yeah. look I'm not going to uni right because I don't want to do this in uni mm. but Whenever I find a thing I want to do, I made a promise that I will go back and I will study. Okay. So during the time of me cutting hair, I did a access to social work okay. to university. Yeah. So I did a year, you know, evening course, mm. you know, so from work, I'd go to college and do the access course to uni. Mm. I passed that, yeah. but then realized I didn't want to be a social worker because I realized okay. it's a very difficult job. Yeah. Very, very difficult. Difficult, yeah. difficult. And it's still so much writing you had to do, right? And I just can't stand just writing like, <laughs> just like. Even though I've written a book, but yeah, yeah. there's so much writing. <laughs> Irony there, right? You know? <laughs> and then I did a personal training course. Okay. Evening course as well, after yeah. work. Um, a lot of it was home as well from doing work from home. And I just held it there. I just saw, okay, I'm going to keep cutting hair. But mm. if ever this ever you know, doesn't work out, I'll go into personal training. Yeah. But then I turned about 23, 24 and I just came to realize that actually, you know what? Cutting hair, mm. I think, is the career, the thing which I want to do. Yeah. And I've been doing it for, at that time for maybe full time, about four years now. Okay, cool. And I I guess as well, so, okay, so you started and as a as a barber, my understanding is that straight away, are you self-employed? Yeah. You are straight away pretty much self-employed. Yeah. Did you start with slider cuts? Was that immediate from when you were you starting your career as a barber? It was like, okay, slider cut or did that form like a little bit later? That formed later. My nickname was Slider from okay. when I was like 13, 14, okay. when I was MCing. Okay. So okay. everyone called me Slider. Yeah. So when I decided to set up a website for myself. Yeah. When I was about 24. Mm. So at the time, which I was like, you know, even like, I'm like, okay, this is just my career. You know, I thought, let me set up a website for myself yeah. because I thought I'm a business. Mm -hmm. So businesses have websites. So I yeah. should have a website. Yeah. So then it's like, what's the website going to be called? Okay. So that's when it was like, oh, I'm like, well, you know, maybe Slider the Barber. Maybe slider, you know, this, whatever it is, right? And my wife, who's yeah. my girlfriend at the time, yeah. and my older brother, both said it simultaneously, slider, they were like, slider. I was even in a room, actually. I, was, I had gone next door while we were, because we had been talking about it. Because they're like, we just don't think slider the barber has this ring. <laughs> slider the barber. <laughs> you know? So they're like, together, they're like, slider, what could it be? Slider, slider, slider. And they both said cuts at the same time. Okay. And they're both like, look, we've got this much better name, like, you know, slider cuts. So I went with that name and that's where Slider Cuts started, you know? Okay. I you like know? that. I like stories like that, <laughs> right? It's the best, right? Yeah. Somebody within the family and people that know you well are able to help you start with a name. Right? Yeah. Like, I think it's it's quite important. So I guess you were building, even though you'd established Slider Cuts, you were starting that within another barbershop or did you have your own? I was starting another. So I was yeah. working in that yeah. barbershop I was renting a chair and at that mm. time there I was also managing yeah. the shop or co-managing should I say yeah. co-managing the shop mm. so I was just working for that shop I wasn't thinking about the idea of building some big brand or anything like that mm. I but where I've been where I've been fortunate is I always saw myself as a business okay so the things I was doing for myself were the things that businesses should do mm. and this is how Slider Cuts actually grew to be what it is right now mm. because even before I knew I was doing yeah. this branding thing or building a business I was just I was just doing you know I always I always use this same analogy where I said you know if 
you realised there's a bunch of ingredients that you thought could produce something that which was nice, but you didn't know what that thing was. Or you didn't know what it was yeah. called. If you put those ingredients together mm. and you cook them or bake them in a certain way, it's going to produce that thing, whether you know what the name is. Yeah, so you could put sure. sugar, egg, flour, mm. baking powder, mm. and maybe a couple other things, right? And if you put them together and you mix them together and you put them in the oven, what do you get? Cake. Cake. Yeah, yeah. But... You might not know you're you're, yeah. you're baking a cake. Yeah, true. You just that. might know that you're making something that's going to taste good. Yeah, 100%, and I think yeah. and I think that's the way it happened with me. Mm. I didn't see. I didn't realize I was baking a cake, mm. but I knew the ingredients to create something good. So I was just doing stuff, you know. Oh, like I'm a business, so let me set up a website for myself. Oh, social media's come out. Oh, I should set up um, a slider cuts on all social media platforms and put my haircuts out there. You know, it's like, oh, we're doing this. Oh, I, sh I should do that. I should put myself in a newspaper. Oh, they want to do an interview with me. Yeah, I should do an interview with them. You know, so I was just doing all the, putting, you know, together all the ingredients, yeah. right? Which would create this cake, mm. which I didn't know. Yeah. You know, so even when people start saying to me, oh, yeah, you're, I can really see you're really building a brand, right? Mm. I didn't know I was building a brand, mm. but I knew that I was putting out the identity of what my business was, you know, what Slider Cuts represented, what the value was, what the ethos of Slider Cuts was, yeah. you know, which I realized, which I didn't realize at the time, but I was building a brand identity. Yeah. You know, okay. when I started doing, doing things like, you know, okay, the color scheme for Slider Cuts was black and white, mm. you know, I was building a brand image, mm. you know. That's I, interesting that you were doing all of this and you didn't study it or. No, no, no I didn't study it. Kind of just. No. Innate in a way But I knew it was going to create something good As I said yeah. And that's why I always say You know yeah. You don't have to know What the end goal is To mm. know that Putting all these things together Will create something good Yeah You know yeah. I just knew Just what you're supposed to do yeah. So that's how like It came about So I was building up this brand In yeah. this barbershop Yeah And then I came to a, But I was also managing the barbershop mm. Then also I came to a place When I just said Okay you know what Long and short of it It's a long story But long and short of it Where I just I want to open up my own barbershop Yeah And the reason was Was because while I was managing that shop I wasn't able to do all the things which I wanted to do yeah, in a shop because it's, it's not my shop, own it, right? you know, and I always yeah. make this clear. Yeah. It wasn't an issue that mm. I wasn't able to do all the things I wanted to do because it's not my shop. Yeah. You know, I, I can't stand so it. You when respect people, that, right? Yeah, yeah I respect yeah, that. Yeah. I can't stand when people get annoyed yeah. that they can't do what they want to do in yeah. someone else's space. Yeah. It's like going to someone's house and saying, I want to wear shoes on the carpet. And they're like, no, we don't do <laughs> shoes on the carpet. And you're annoyed because mm. in your house, you'd wear shoes. Mm. And it's like, well, this is not your house. <laughs> So, you know, you, re you respect it, right? Yeah. So I fully respected it. But where it gets to a place where I just had so much energy and I had this big vision of what a shop could be, right? And mm. I couldn't implement these things in this shop because it's not my shop, right? Yeah. I just said to them, okay, you know, I'm going to go open up my own shop. And I told them straight away as well. So I told the co-manager, I told the owners within the first week of me having this thought process, yeah. I told everyone so that, you know, nobody was left in the lurch. And I left, at that point, I left three years later. Okay, really? So I gave okay. a three-year notice period. Yeah. You know, so but from that point, I was looking for yeah. the perfect space. It yeah. took me two years to find the perfect space. And once wow. I found a space, then it was about fixing it up and mm. so on and so on. Mm. And that's why I was about three years from when I decided to leave mm. and set up my own shop. How much did it cost you to set up your own shop? Because, I mean, it's not, it's obviously not cheap. Not, no. And a lot of barbers would want to set up their own shop, but they're unable to, unable to <laughs> set it up, to be honest. Well, it cost me more than probably the average person. So you can set up a barbershop very cheaply. So okay. there's a lot of barbershops out there, right? Yeah. A lot of barbershops open up because it's actually quite cheap mm. to open up a shop yeah. and set it up, right? If you have £15,000, mm. you can set up a barbershop. Really? Yeah. 
Seriously? It yeah, it didn't cost me that much. It cost me a lot more. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because cost... you're doing all the bells and whistles. You know what? Like, the space I got, yeah. the location. Okay. You know, so my shop's like shortage. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Expensive area. You know, yeah. so it cost me like yeah. 60, 65,000 pounds wow. for the lease. <laughs> Just to buy <laughs> Wait, the lease. you made that much from your... Gosh. So I, I had to buy the lease. People must have really liked you then <laughs> as a barber. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're no. stacking. <laughs> no, no. I bought the money. Okay. Yeah, so the way wow. I opened up the shop was all born money. Okay. All born money. I had zero yeah. pence. Okay. When I opened up the shop, yeah. I had zero pence. Okay. You know? So I borrowed all the money. So I yeah. paid 60, 65,000 pounds for the lease. Then I paid, um, then I paid over 100,000 pounds for all the works. Wow. You know, because it was a really, the place needed to be gutted out. Mm. Like it was rat infested. Mm. And when I said, I don't mean it like, to say, oh, I mean, there were literally rats in there. I remember going to see the oh. place and seeing a rat running past, like not mice, That's rats, you know, um, like the roof at the back had just kind of like where there was a hole in it and they never dealt with it. Mm. The whole roof just molded. Mm. And then there was just, it used to just rain inside because just yeah. holes. So the floor is, mo yeah. it just, it was, it needed like a full revamp. It mm. cost a lot of money. Then the first builders also bumped me because they never, they took the full money. So it took 70,000 pounds and they never finished it. Mm. Then I had to get another set of builders in who never done the best job either. And I paid them like 30,000 pounds. Wow. Then I had to get another set of builders in mm. who kind of then kind of corrected everything kind of, and that cost me about 25, 30,000 pounds mm. as well. So then we're at like 130,000 pounds. Wow. Plus the 65 we spent basically on the lease. So basically just close to 200. And then also there's things like, you know, wow. buying, all the, okay. buying all of the, um, materials the yeah. chairs the this the that there's a bunch of things you know so yes just spent over two hundred thousand pounds wow i know on that shop and it's all board money okay i bought it wow. all i'm still paying back some of it now wow <laughs> and wow I, i'm four and a half years in wow you know i'm still paying back you know but i paid back a lot of people yeah. but I, I got a lot of help a lot of people helped me out and this is why even though i talk about in my book you yeah. know about your social credit and things like yeah. that because i had friends that helped me out mm. you know People, you know, this person bought me 10,000 pounds. Mm. That person bought me 20,000 pounds. That mm. person bought me 25. Mm. There's another person bought me 10. Another person bought me 20. Yeah. And another person bought me 60. Yeah. You know, another person bought me 70. You know, and then also I took a few payday loans. Okay. You know, like, but not payday loans like as in a thousand pounds, but like these loans where it's like, you know, you bought 10,000 pounds, you pay back 10,000 pounds on top. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know. Wow. You know, so. Wow. I just bought money from everywhere and mm. anywhere mm. to make it happen. Mm. You know, I guess, so, why did you want to make it happen so badly and at such a, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you feel like it's a high cost to you or not. Yeah. But yeah, I guess looking back on it, I guess, yeah. What was the well, It was a high cost. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, it, it, I was never like, cost. I was never like, you know, yeah. 200 grand is, you know, is, yeah. is, is, is it money? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you still went through with it though. <laughs> because I believed people in, wouldn't. Because I believed in what I was doing. Yeah. You know, and also I make it clear because I don't want to sell this false. Yeah. Um, yeah. This false idea that, you know, belief is the reason as to why you should mm. do something. Mm. Your belief should be backed up with something, mm. you know. So I didn't believe strictly because I woke up one day and say, I've got a vision. I can open up a barbershop. My belief was backed up because I had managed and run this other barbershop I was in for like 11 years. So I knew kind of like how to run a barbershop, you know. Um, I also had trained up two barbers and filled up their chairs partially. Yeah. And I was still a booked up barber. There was another barber who I filled up his chair like probably like 90% of his customers came from me and I was still a booked up, booked up barber. So some of these things I was like, okay, well, I can see that I can fill up other people's chairs and still be booked up. Some people, also I also knew, realized that people would go to another barber based off my recommendation. Right. So that made me feel, okay, if I had my own shop, 
you'd be willing to go to other barbers as long as I recommended them. You know, I got a good word, my, my vouch, my words, yeah. you know, holds its weight. It stands for something, right? Also, I thought even if I don't get any barbers in, I can train up barbers because mm. I've now been experiencing training up barbers. Yeah. You know, so I knew that as well. I also had run the barbershop. So I knew, yeah. you know, the ins and outs of running the barbershop, doing the taxes for the barbershop. I was doing like all of the admin for the barbershop before. So I had the experience in doing those things there as well as other things, right? So my belief in this being able to work was based off what I had done and what I was doing, okay. you know? And also I had a vision of like, I just knew I was always into marketing. I always had like this marketing mindset. Mm. So I was always just knew that if we'd done this and we did this, this would, this could really work. Yeah. So mix all those things mixed together is why I believe so strongly it could. And also I had a, I had a following yeah. at the time. I can't remember how many followers I had on Instagram. I think I had about, I don't know. I can't remember 60,000 followers, maybe okay. let's say 50,000 followers, something like that mm. on Instagram. You know, um, I was turning away more clients than I was cutting. Okay. You know, I remember one, yeah. I remember just before I decided to open up a shop a year before something like that I remember doing a count in December alone mm. I just counted how many customers new customers customers I'd never cut before yeah um I had turned away I turned away about 70 new customers in December alone wow and that didn't include the customers who were my existing customers who I was turning away mm. so all these things that I just realized like about 70 people wanted a haircut, new customers who I'd Didn't never cut before. Money lost. Yeah. You know, and it's all these things where you think so I can pass that on to people. And also in the shop I was in, everyone's booked up. Mm. So I couldn't even pass them on to anyone, right? Mm. So all of these things there made me really believe that okay. I could you know okay. do it. And also I spent time as well, like yeah. two years finding the right location. Like I didn't just say, let me open up anywhere. Like I was like, no, it has to have good travel links in around it. So the shop I have now, there's three different train lines around. Yeah, There's four if you include Liverpool Street. So we have La Hoxton that mm. goes to South London. Mm. That's one line, three, four minutes away from the shop. Mm. We have Cambridge Heath, 12 minutes from the shop that takes you like North London to like yeah. Enfield and all those places. We have Old yeah. Street, which is the underground, which is the Northern line. Then we have Liverpool Street, which is about 20 minutes. Old Street's about 15 minutes away. Liverpool Street's about 20 yeah. minutes away, maybe 22 minutes, depending on how fast you walk. And that's kind of like all the links on there. Then we had all these buses, probably about 15 different buses which come in and around where, where we're at, right? Yeah. Then they had parking outside on both sides of the road. Then there was a shop that was bigger than I needed as well. So it meant that I can grow into it. So even now I'm about to knock out the back wall because I've got 11 barbers in the okay. front. And now I'm about 11. to knock it. Yep, got 11 barbers in the shop and I'm still in a place where we still turn away customers. Wow. So now I'm going to knock out the wall in between the front and the back mm. and I'm going to play add another four to five chairs. Mm. So it meant that this space, when I started off initially, I just put seven, or, I think it was seven chairs, I think mm. seven or eight chairs. I was like, okay, cool. We've got all these extra spaces, but you know, if it grows, then, you know, I'll add the extra stations. Yeah. So it was a good space as well. Good location. Yeah. You know, it's not far from where I live, like just two miles from where I live as well. Yeah. So I, I had it really thought out. So yeah. the money wasn't the issue to me. Yeah. I was just kind of like, I know I have to do this. Yeah. I just knew it'd work out. Okay. Wow. And it's crazy because it sounds, you had a plan clearly. You yeah. had a plan and you had a long-term plan. That, that, yeah. Now what you're saying is that you knocked it down. You didn't just go, okay, I'm just going to spend two grand yeah. on a random location. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. That's crazy. Something I wanted to know, uh, because we were, we were barbering, uh, I mean, I, I don't know people, if you're used to getting your hair cut, you, you, you understand what I mean? Yeah. Loyalty, right? Yeah, a lot yeah, of us yeah. are low to our barbers. Yeah. So I'm wondering for you, how did you, how did you build that up? Because initially you said you were scared, right? To mess up somebody's hair. How did you guess 
I guess, build up, you know, your customer base, because that's really, really difficult to do as a barber. I know often I've gone into shops, new shops, and I, I see people come in and they're, but when I mean, recently when I went in uh, probably four years ago, I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a chance. Luck, fortune, the guy was great. If he yeah. wasn't great, yeah, probably yeah. out of the door. So yeah, I guess yeah, for you, yeah. how did you, how do you do that? You know, I, I did my time. Like I, I, I was patient. Yeah. You know, I just was there all the time. I did a post about this last week on Instagram where I said one of the things that got me customers was just being present in the shop all the time. Even when I had no customers and even when I was the worst barber. I was just there all the time. So when random customers would come in, I'd pick them up. Because, you know, everyone else is busy. They've got quite a few customers. I'm available. Or they might say no because they're like, oh, why is he, avail why is he available? It's always that. It's always <laughs> you know? that. Why, why have you got no customers? You <laughs> yeah. must be terrible. You know, and, and they're, yeah. they're, not, they're not fully wrong. Yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't a good barber, you know. But they know some customers do come to you. So then it's like, okay, then that customer is okay with a haircut. So he comes back, you know in two weeks or in a month's time. So now you've got one customer, one reoccurring customer, you know, outside of like, you know, some of the customers I bought into the shop because I had a few customers which I was cutting at home, which followed me to the shop as well. But when it came to like the new customers, it was like, well, you know, you catch one customer, they come once a month, There's you got 12 haircuts this year. I catch another customer, mm. you know, they come every two weeks. Now that's 24 haircuts this year, you know. So then now you've got two customers which uh, keep coming back, you know, and that might, have, you might have got those customers over the last, Three months. Mm. Okay, cool. You know, a month later, you, you get yourself another customer that wants to keep coming back to you. And it's just about, you know, just waiting it out and, you know, just patience, you know. It didn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. But you just got to be patient. If you need it now, then it's not going to happen. Yeah. But I guess fortunately for me, I had the time as well. I was like 19 years old when I went there full time. I was at home with my mum. I didn't have bills like that. I had my EE bill and some very basic rent. You know, my mum didn't charge us anything. She charged us. She just made us pay the electricity and gas bill. And that was split between me and my brothers. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I didn't need money. Mm. So when I was making, when I started working there and I was making 30 pounds a week, because I remember that's what it was, like, you know, making about 25, 30 pounds a week because, you know, you've done four haircuts this week. Mm. To me, I was balling. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, crazy when your expenses are low, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, even I think, I think back to it, I was like, wow, I used to live on little money. Yeah. And you're living at home and food is cooked for you and all you have to pay for is travel, lunch and maybe meet yeah. out with your friends. And even when you're meeting out with your friends, you're not going to anywhere oh, more expensive than Nando's no, anyway. No, so. It's like, you know, so yeah, I had money. I, I, yeah. I remember feeling like I was balling because I remember it was the first point in my life where it's like, at any point if I wanted to, I could get KFC. Yeah. I remember putting on quite a bit of weight at that time because I started eating KFC every day because like, I could. It's like, you know, yeah. three pounds on KFC. Yeah, I could do that. Well, you know, I'm, I'm getting 30, 40 pounds a week. I can, you know, I can, you know, I can drop that on, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, you know, so it's just like, I was fortunate. That's why I always tell young people, don't rush to leave your parents' house if you don't have to, unless you're in a bad situation where you need to. But if you don't have to, and it's just that like you just want your independent, I'm like, nah, you ain't, nah, yeah. stay at home. Because then I left my house and from my house, when I moved in with my wife, we moved into the flat we bought. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, so I know I've never rented, you know, I think that's the right way to do it. You know, and I always tell people, if you're in that situation, mm. then do that, you know, cause there's so much money, you know, you can save at home, you know? So I went straight from my mom's house to the house we bought, sorry, not the house, the flat we bought. Mm. And that's because I was able to be at home. Yeah. If I wasn't and I was renting out, I wouldn't have been able to afford to do that. Yeah. Cause I'd have been paying a thousand pounds, you know, whatever it is a month on yeah. rent or basically back then, maybe one bedroom, maybe like 900, 800 a month on rent. Yeah. 
you know so yeah it's, it was really helpful to be able to be in that position and that's why i said even with the barbering i had the time mm. there was no there was no rush mm. you know so i could just study it so i just spent time just studying it wasn't even about the money i just wanted to be a good barber mm. so i was just watching the other barbers and just trying to get better every day yeah. so when my focus was so much on being a good barber everything else came because you know i already had the mindset i was i was very polite as a child you know i'm still i uh, still still polite you know i was very polite as a child mm. so that helped with my customer service so you know my customer service was never like an issue mm. it's just about being a good barber yeah so I, I just you know just waited it out and just you know over the years i became better and better mm. you know and I was, I was diligent and i was always there so i was grabbing customers mm. so you know i became a booked up barber you know a very busy barber within a few years where yeah. i'd have people like eight ten twelve people waiting for me wow wow that's incredible and then okay so this this is where i want to ask because the evolution you became a booked up barber and yeah. then and then you started getting celebrity clients right yeah. anthony joshua lebron james Ludacris. yeah these are not everyday people i guess how did that happen because that's like that's probably a lot of barbers <laughs> wish list right that look i want to be cut and cut i want to get into those industries it's not easy to break into that yeah it, you're right a lot of people want that right how it happened was through different ways. One, the shop I worked in has celebrities coming into it. Okay. So I used to see some of the celebrities walking in like Richard Blackwood, mm. you know, who was the first celebrity I ever cut, you know, Richard Blackwood. So one day I remember his barbers weren't in, but I was there. Mm. And I remember I was in college. Like I was what start, you were saying. Yeah, I was, I, I was just there. And I remember I was in college at the time. So I was about 18, 19. So it was, it was within probably the first year of me still at the shop because I remember I was at college because I remember because I remember even like I got in he was cool actually I remember there was a girl in my class who was a big fan of Richard Blackwood and I remember saying oh the shop I work in Richard Blackwood goes to it you know and I remember what do you call it he came in one day and said would you can I call this girl would you speak to her and I remember I called her and he just started speaking to her and it, and it wasn't a girl I was interested in or anything like that she was just a girl in my class who was just a fan of his and I was just like and I remember feeling like it felt good to be able to be like yeah yeah yeah, you speak, you speak to him. And <laughs> I remember she still remembers it. I can't even remember her name. I wonder if she still remembers it. I remember I called her and she she spoke to him. So yeah, so I remember they went in, but I was there. So he's like, oh, you know, you cut my hair. And I was trying to, I was telling him no. But I said, no, they'll be in tomorrow because I was scared to cut his hair. He's a celebrity. This is Richard Blackwood, you know, and the haircut I used to get was difficult as well. This drop fade. I was just like, sharp shape. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. So I was just like to him, no, I'll come back tomorrow. They'll be here. He's like, no, 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 I'm here now. You just do it. He goes, you seen them cut my hair, right? I was like, yeah, I've seen them cut your hair. But he's like, I was like, yeah, but you know, they'll, they'll come tomorrow. He's like, listen, don't worry, you got this. So I said, all right, cool. You know, so I got his hair, spent ages on it. Then at the end of it, it wasn't as good as the other barbers at all, but he was cool. He tipped me and he said, look, you see, I told you, you could do it. Mm. He goes, from now on, you know, if anyone asks you for this haircut, you know, you make sure you charge them more because you know, this is not a normal haircut and all that kind of <laughs> stuff there, you know. <laughs> You know, and he was cool about it. And I was like, yeah, yeah cool. So he's the first person, you know, then yeah. some footballers used to come to the barbershop, the odd actor. Mm. So they, they were kind of like, a, they were around. So initially I wanted to cut celebrities because, you know, I was 19, 18, 19, 20. like, yeah, I want to do that. Then I got into a place where I started really focusing on what my goals were in life. Mm. And one of my goals was simply, I want to be married. I want to have children. I want to live a family life. That was one of my, one of my goals. Yeah. So I remember even when I was doing all these call out haircuts and I was maybe 21, 22, I remember saying, okay, you know, I need to cut all these call out haircuts out of my life because if I'm going to be married, I'm going to have a wife and all the, and children and all these things there, I can't be up and down like this. Mm. So but even I didn't, I didn't, didn't have a girlfriend, anything like that, but I just kind of knew what I yeah, wanted. What you wanted. I love that. So I started cancelling all of these people yeah. in my life. Okay. Then, then what happened was through me just working, and just working hard and being diligent and mm. put my work out there, celebrities started coming okay. naturally because 
of recommendations and because I cut this person randomly and then you recommended me to, you know, um, to LeBron James, which is actually how it happened. I randomly cut some customer in the shop because I was there and I was cutting his hair and his name's Pops Mensa. I cut him. That was it. Didn't really say nothing. A year later, he came back to me and this time I started talking to him because he's, he's tall, dark skin, mm. deep American kind of like accent. Mm. I was like, oh, what, do you, like, what, what are you doing over here? And he's like, you know, oh, I'm just here on a, like on a break. I was like, oh, what do you do as a job? He's like, oh, I'm an NBA. I play basketball. I'm in, I'm in the NBA. Mm. I was like, oh, who do you play for? He's like, oh, Houston Rockets. I was like, oh, for real. Wow. He's like, yeah, he grew up in London. So every year he comes back to see his family. Mm. But I cut his hair that time randomly. He was just waiting. He liked the haircut. So now every year when he came back, he came to me. Okay. And then when the Olympics came over to mm. um, England, he knows all the basketball players because he okay. plays in the NBA. So he's like, yeah, you know, wow. come to my barber. Yeah. And then, so there was so much things like that where a lot of these people came like that. Same thing with J. Cole, same thing with Anthony Joshua. He just saw me online, you know, and he reached out to me to get a haircut. Tiny Temper, same thing. He saw me online. Reggie Yates saw me online, reached out to me. J. Cole, through a recommendation, someone who I cut, just randomly someone who I cut. He was with him one day, he said he needs a haircut. Can you come cut his hair? Wow. I've cut his hair. Stormzy. Same thing, I got recommended to do some show mm. um, with um, Maya Jama before. I did some show with her, with her mm. while I was teaching her how to cut hair. And then she recommended me to Stormzy. Right. Okay. And I got the recommendation for that for that show to do through a woman in my church. Okay. You know, who worked wow. for the company. So a lot of these things, they weren't like I was going out there looking for them. It just happened because I was working properly yeah. and being diligent about my craft and being focused on giving people good haircuts and a good service. Mm. And then all these things just came. But I was not chasing it. Because I remember at the beginning like not mention any names, but I was turning away some people. And I remember saying to my wife, I don't think I really, really want to do this because I was married now. And I remember my wife saying, you know, you should do it. You know, it's a good opportunity. And being, being like, okay, cool. Mm. But I didn't really want to get involved in this world because I just yeah. wanted to be that family man. As to, you know, I'm still being that family man as to why, you know, my daughter's yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you can see, you, you can yeah. see it, you know. Yeah, I, you know. to the T, man. <laughs> Even the time that we're recording this, trust me. Mark is, yeah, that's that, that, my family man. I love that, you know, man. And I'm rocking the yeah. child. You can see she's yeah. sleeping now, you know. When she woke up, I had to keep rocking her. That's why on the camera, my arm is doing this funny thing of going back and forth. <laughs> Yeah, that's, yeah, no, you know what, I I completely, I think, you know, sometimes as well, uh, it's all related to what you were saying, like, the fact that you you focus on your craft, yeah. you had the time to focus on your craft, and not only that, you had a vision for what you wanted your life to be, and I feel like sometimes when you do that, it tracks certain things in your life, yeah. I, I feel like when you have your principles, like you did, yeah. that's what attracted all of yeah. this kind of stuff, I guess, for me, another question I have was the validation aspect of it. Do you feel like that validated what you were doing? Like, yes, I'm actually really good at my craft or were you already validated or you didn't even need the validation at all? I think the validation probably came from me being a booked up barber. Okay. More than celebrities wanting me. Yeah. I think celebrities wanted to cut, want, celebrities wanted me, celebrities wanted me to cut their hair. I think the um, cutting celebrities... I don't think gave me that validation. I don't think mm. it does give me that validation. Mm. I think now celebrities reaching out to me, what it does for me yeah. makes me realize that I'm probably ma I'm marketing myself well and the business well as to why, you know, I get all of these calls to do this show, to do that show. Oh, can you come cut this person? Mm. That validates not me as a barber, that validates yeah. what I'm doing as a barber. But the validation I get from being a good barber is from my customers, which constantly keep coming back. Yeah. You know, it's from seeing my haircuts and, you know, matching them up to other people's haircuts. Yeah. It's from what people every day say about my haircuts. Mm. You know, that is the validation, not particularly because a celebrity 
wants to cut with you because I always say, you know, because you cut celebrities doesn't mean you're a good barber. Because mm. when people say to me, oh, you must be a really good barber if celebrities <laughs> are cutting with you. I said, no, that doesn't mean I'm a good barber. It just means, you know, I'm just cutting celebrities, you know. Yeah. What makes me a good barber is the fact that I cut hair well yeah. and the everyday client can see that and wants to cut with me and wants to constantly come back to me. Yeah. You know, the fact that I'm turning away more customers than I cut, that showed me, you know, mm. the levels of where I'm at as a barber, you know, yeah. not because I cut some celebrities. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. That No, that makes sense. So I guess in your journey where it hasn't gone smoothly, can you take me to back to that time and what you were thinking at that time? <laughs> I'm very, you know, fortunately, and I thank mm. God, you know, I'm very, I'm a very positive person. Okay. And I'm, and I'm very, that. and I'm love very kind of like, I can look past the defeat. You know, so the things that it's hard for me to remember a lot of the things that have gone wrong because by my mindset, I kind of look past them. So I can say some of the things that went wrong. You know, I, I tried to start this app, this booking app, you know, that cost me £30,000 before I opened up the barbershop, you know, and I had invested £30,000 into it of money I didn't have. So I think £10,000 was borrowed. I think the other money was used on my credit cards. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it failed because it just came to a point where I realized this wasn't working out mm. and it just wasn't going to work out. Mm. So I had to kind of like stop the project halfway through because it's going to cost to start up about 60, 70,000 pounds. Wow. So I had to just lose that 30,000 pounds. Mm. And now I'm about to open up a barbershop and I'm trying to find money and I've just lost 30,000 pounds, mm. you know, and this project didn't work out, which I thought was really going to work out as well. But then I, what I took from that at the time was I didn't, I wasn't like heartbroken. I was more so like, okay, you know what? I remember saying I've learned a valuable lesson which was, I was trying to go into an industry, which I always still say I thought was probably disrespectful. I was trying to go into an industry that I wasn't a specialist in just because of what I thought I could. I just thought I could just build an app. Yeah. You know, and I was trying to compete with companies that do this full time and this is what they do. This is their all, you know. So I realized also it's quite disrespectful mm. to those there. Yeah. And it taught me a valuable lesson, which was to partner with those who know what they're doing. 100%. Partner with yep. experts. Mm. Don't try and do everything yourself. Because at the time I was trying to do everything myself. So I, was, I was like, you know, I'm going to build, I'm building the Slider Cuts brand and I'm going to have my own shop. I'm going to have my own app. I'm going to have my own this, my own that. And it's just like, I realized, what am I doing? Mm. You partner with people, you partner with experts and big companies do exactly the same thing. Like you look at people like, let's just look at any drinks company. Let's just look at, you know, um, let's just say a massive drink company, um, Tropicana. Mm. They don't make the cartons that their juice goes into. Probably not, no. No, they, no, they don't. They don't, they don't. No, they don't. Okay. No, no. no. Okay. all the cartons yeah. for all of those drinks, whether it's Sainsbury's brand, Tesco's, mm. Marks and Spencer's, Tropicana, all of those carton drinks, yeah. they're made by one company. They, the company makes these cartons yeah. and then, you know, they give them to, yeah. you know, Sainsbury's, Marks and Spencer's, Tropicana, yeah. and they use them. If you look at the back of it, I can't remember yeah. the name of the company, but if you look at the back of it, it has, a, there's a name on it. So on all of them, they have this name, one mm. company. But all these companies have got enough money to probably go and yeah. get their own factories or whatever it is and make the cartons themselves. So why are they not doing that? Because they just partnering with the experts. Yeah. You know, and then there's various other examples as well. So I just came to realize, you know, I, had, I was just looking at it wrong. Mm. I need to be partnering with people, with experts and not trying to do everything myself or get everything yeah. under my brand. So that's the lesson I learned from that. And that's how I was looking at it, mm. you know, but I was just like, right, I lost this money, boy. And I just remember saying, I can't tell my wife. <laughs> 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 she still don't know? 
She she knew we lost money, but she didn't know how she much didn't it was. Know how. Oh, how much. wow, okay. My wife won't watch this anyway. <laughs> Good. She doesn't watch. She doesn't, my wife doesn't watch any of my interviews. Any, <laughs> you say that, and what's what's gonna happen? <laughs> but look, this is so long ago. This is like five five and a half years ago. Now we've gone we've gone past that. We're, yeah, yeah, we're through yeah, it, so yeah, she can yeah. know the figure now because yeah. we 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 came through it. <laughs> yeah, so things like that. Then even opening yeah. up the shop, there was loads of setbacks when I was mm. opening up the shop because mm. of money. Mm. Things like the, the builders, you know, running off with the money and not yeah, finishing the work. Yeah, and it's like, oh yeah. my goodness. But I was just always so focused on, the, on, it wasn't being positive. It was always so focused on what I needed to do. So it's always been like right now, you know, this has fallen and this has crumbled, but my objective is still to succeed. Yeah. So my mindset is still on what success is mm. in whatever the situation is, which is opening up the shop. Mm. So, okay, they've run away my money. Cool. I'm gonna have to deal with that at some point, but I need to find other builders and I need to find more money. So that was my focus. I wasn't even worrying about the fact that they've done me wrong. Yeah. I was just worrying and focusing on, not worrying, but focusing on, well, what do I need to do to complete this task? Yeah. So I just went past it. It's only when I look back and I look back on some things, I'm like, rah, that really happened. I'm really, that, rah, I really went through that. Mm. It hits me way after because in the moment, I'm so focused on achieving. Yeah. You know, and that's where, you know, my drive, you know, takes me past a lot of times, Um, you could call it dwelling in the yeah. failure and dwelling yeah. in the defeat. Yeah. Because my drive is kind of like, you know, I've fallen over, but I'm still trying to get to the end of the race. Yeah. So I'm not thinking about falling over. I'm thinking about, I need to get to the end of the race. And how, mm. and I'm like, you know, three meters behind. So how can I win this race now? Mm. And I might not win the race now, but I might not win the race, but I'm still just focusing on how can I win the race? How can I win? I'm just getting back up. I need to get yeah. to the end. How am I going to win this race? How am I going to win this race? You know, that's, that's, that's my, how I think about things. So mm. I don't genuinely, you know, I don't ever like dwell in any places of like defeat. Mm. You know, the only place which I really dwell in that kind of place is when, and this is not to do with business, this is more so with life, is when there's like death around me. That's the thing that kind of like, you could say, you know, kicks me down. Mm. You know, people pass away, close ones pass away, friends, customers, you know, things like that. That thing that really kind of like knocks me and that knocks me kind of like more emotionally, but at the same time, it still doesn't change what I do. Yeah. So I could be going through things and no one would know because ultimately I don't ever change what I do. Yeah. I'll still be at work. Yeah. I'll still be working. I'll still be doing the things I need to do. I'll still be looking after my children. I'll still be, you know, prioritizing my responsibilities, but mentally I won't be there. I get what you mean. It's it's fight or flight really. Yeah. You know, I was having this, um, it's funny that you, you were talking about you don't dwell because I was literally... I was having one of those uh, those situations where yeah. you have a challenge, right? Yeah. You're thinking about the challenge and I was kind of dwelling and we all have it. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, yeah. dwelling on it for a few minutes and then I thought to myself, look, Atto, okay, this has happened. This is the situation. You've got a choice. You can sit here, dwell in it or you can fight, fight yeah. for it, right? Yeah. You can fight to go past it and I was like, Okay, let me fight. It's gonna yeah, be hard. Yeah. I'm gonna fight. Yeah. And I instantly I felt so much better. I was like, actually, yeah, I can yeah. of course I can fight for yeah, it. Yeah. You kind of forget about that. Like actually, <laughs> yeah, it's not great, but you can just push through it. Yeah. Kind of thing, right? Yeah. It's um yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Um so you've been over 20 years experience yeah. um in this. Are you still passionate about it? Yeah. Yeah, you are? Yeah. yeah. Still passionate about it. I'm still passionate. I love cutting hair. And I guess when when all is said and done, what, what what do you think people will say, or what do you want people to say about slider cuts? Maybe you haven't thought that far ahead. Um, 
Like, I've been asked this question before. So I don't know what I want people to say about slider cuts, mm. but I do know what I want slider cuts to do okay. in the present and in the moments of, you know, as life as we go on. Because slider cuts, I've built it and it's supposed to be more than, you know, just a barbershop. Well, it's more than a place just to get your hair cut. You know, so I'm helping, or I want the business to help. And we are doing it, you know, help people out. We know we do a mentoring scheme. We have, you know, you know, these young boys that come in on Saturdays, we mentor them. We give them life, we give them basic life skills and so on. We have other people throughout the week we we do similar things with as well. I um we do some charity work, you know, but for, no, yeah, forget the charity work actually, forget the charity work. More so when it comes to the mentoring and uh schemes which we're offering. I feel like I want Slider Cuts to be the place that does things that helps people's lives. So they might never say, oh, Slider Cuts done this, but nevertheless, you know, when you were struggling as example and we took you in and we mentored you and we helped you and now, you know, you're going to college and going to university and now, you know, you're getting this job and now you're looking after your family and you're married and so on, right? We know we had a part to play in that, right? Because we saw where you were going and the reason why we probably took you in is because you were going a bit wayward. So we've taken you in to kind of like straighten you out. So I'm not sure what I want people to say, but I know what I want Slider Cuts to do. Okay. You know, because people might never say these things. People might not even remember it, mm. but it doesn't really matter whether they remember it or not. All that matters is the things we did, did it impact and change people's lives for the better? Yeah. So I'd rather see that kind of grow than it be a thing where people are like, you know, oh, they were yeah. so amazing and they were so this and they were so mm. that and Slider Cuts was all of these other things there, you know? So I want them, I wanted to do that. I also want it to be known as a place where you get great haircuts, yeah. great custom service. You know, I don't know if they're going to be talking about it. And they might talk about that in the future. Oh, yeah. you don't know about our shop. If, if, especially if it closes down, you know, and, and the old people talk about, you don't know, we had slider cuts back in the days and <laughs> it was this and that. You don't know about cutting hair. This was kind of, it, might be, it might be all that kind of talk there, right? Yeah. But yeah. It's, like, it's like, whatever, you know, that's, that, that, you know, you're talking about something retrospectively, you know, it's like, but in the time is what I want it to do. You know, I'm more focused on what I want it to do and yeah. the seeds I want to throw out there through slider cuts and the seeds I want to be grown, you know, watered, nurtured, and grow. Yeah. I guess this drive for excellence, where where does that where does that stem from? Really? Because I'm thinking, I mean, you, you had a plan for your barbershop, you've you were diligent in terms of at school going to all these clubs, you're diligent in terms of like honing your craft. It's not everybody that's like that though. <laughs> I'm just driven as a person. Mm. And what's funny is I'm not ambitious. Okay, <laughs> you're driven but not ambitious. Okay, explain Cause that. Because am, ambition is kind of yeah. like you got is big plans. Ambition yeah. is kind of like mm. it's the things you want for yourself. It's the mm. vision you, you you have, the picture which mm. you paint. You know, so ambitious people. There's people which are very ambitious. Yeah. and lack no lack any drive. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So they just constantly like, listen, yeah, we're gonna have the big mansion and we're gonna have this and you know, mm. I want to have this, I want to have that, I want to do this and all these big plans, right? But then they do nothing to get there. So they got ambition, no drive. Through that. <laughs> now drive. It's just like like a car, as you said, it drives you. It keep you keep just pushing. Drive is the thing that just is the energy. You just keep doing stuff. You're constantly yeah. driven. You know, you're not you're not stopping. You know, you've fallen over. Like I've fallen over in a race. I'm getting back up because I want mm. you know to try and do the best possible. That's what I kind of have, but I haven't got the, the ambition in a sense of like I care the idea of winning everything yeah. and being the best at everything or all those type of things there, right? But my drive has taken me to where my ambition maybe would have been if I had that ambition. So mm. people see some of my achievements and think he must be very ambitious. Mm. But if you speak to me generally, most of the time, no, people are always pushing me to do things. And I'm always just kind of like, nah, I don't really want to do that. Mm. Nah, 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 I'm not really 
on it now. I don't really care. Even when you think about the big plans of like, you know, people like, oh, do you, maybe you can have slider cuts everywhere. And I'm just like, mm, I could have slider cuts everywhere, but why? Yeah. You know, what's the point? If I was to open up a bunch of stores, it would probably be more so because I can hire people. And also just because I, I like the idea of being able to give people employment. Yeah. You know, and also another reason which sounds kind of like it's vague and not vague, is quite, hasn't got any depth to it. It's kind of, you know, it's just because I can. Mm. I'd open up another workshop just because I can. Mm. But it wouldn't be because I'm thinking to myself, it has to be the biggest thing. And I'm, I got this plan. I want to be McDonald's or barbering. No, not really. You know, I'm, I'm kind of happy with the life, kind of like I'm living, I'm happy, you know, I get to see my children every day, I'm in their lives, you know, taking them to school, took my other children to school today, you know, I'm I'm around with them, you know, I see, I'm with my wife, you know, you know, I've got a good community around me, you know, yeah. this year I want to focus more on even just seeing friends and spending more time with even like, like the wider family. Mm. Like this is where I'm kind of at, you know, I'm, this is what I want to do, you know, so what I kind of want is for these things to, to some degree facilitate that. Yeah. Instead of like my goals being in, the business mm. you know my goal being you know i want to have the biggest business mm. no my goal is the life i want to live you know and the people's lives i want to be involved in mm. so these other things should really be helping to do that my goal is also partially to also help wherever i can so that's where employing people come that's why i've got like i don't know 25 people that i work with you know work with and for me you know because that's one of my goals you know i could be making a lot more money for my business if i wanted to yeah you know if i was to cut some things back you know but I don't particularly mind because I actually like the idea of being able to help people, yeah. you know, help themselves, you know, so I'm always employing people, mm. you know, and well, as I said, if you look at the business plan, if someone came in and just about numbers, they'll probably say, you can cut back this, you can make this person do both of these jobs, yeah, you can make this and that, <laughs> but I, guess I, I just, I, I like the fact that I can, you know, I can help yeah. the community in that way there, I like being able to give back in the community. Mm. So yeah, so that's why I say, you know, the thing of like the lack of like ambition, but my drive, just because I'm driven, I just keep doing stuff anyway, you know, so a lot of these things, they weren't no end plan. They weren't no end. I didn't yeah. have the end vision of what I was going to do, but I was just doing, mm. you know, so when I was working, I was there every day working in the barbershop. I guess that there was a goal there, actually. I want to be a good barber, Yeah. you know, but when people say things, some things to me, they're like, you know, when I was paying taxes from when I left college, and I, I registered to pay taxes. Mm. No one was paying taxes. Barbers were telling me, what am I doing? Friends were telling me, what are you doing? Mm. You know, I was just like, well, because that was just to do with my honest nature. Mm. I'm like, well, I'm working. So I'm supposed to pay taxes. But then <laughs> when enough. things, you know, <laughs> but then when things happen when I want to buy a house yeah. and then some of my friends couldn't do it because they were never paying taxes. Some of my friends started saying, ah, oh, Slider had it, the vision from the beginning. I was like, no, I never. <laughs> I was just paying taxes because it's the right thing to do. I, di I didn't know it, but it worked out. Yeah. So when I was working hard and I was, getting all these customers right and I was like becoming this big you could say brand of slider cuts right yeah I didn't have the vision of what slider cuts was going to be mm. but my drive was making me push slider cuts mm. so that what it's done for me and what it's facilitated my drive has facilitated mm. my life has meant that anytime I wanted to do something I've been put in a position where it's like oh I can do that now yeah so when I decided to open up a barbershop I didn't have to start thinking to myself okay what do I need to, to do a barbershop because I'd done a lot of stuff that facilitated that you know, so mm. I was managing the shop. I wasn't getting paid to manage the shop. I was paying for things in the shop out of my own pocket. Mm. I wasn't getting paid for this. You know, I was training up barbers. I wasn't getting paid to train up the barbers. I was just helping them out. Yeah. You know, when I was giving customers to other barbers, I wasn't getting paid. I wasn't getting a percentage or a cut from it. Yeah. I was just doing stuff. And then when I was ready to open up my barbershop, I was like, oh, all of those things there actually helped me to do my barbershop now, right? Mm. So a lot of times I just do stuff and I'm just kind of like just going, I'm just, I'm just doing it now. I go running all the time. What am I running for? Just, just normal health. Yeah. I just run. But then the other day, I was like, hmm, Hackney Half Marathon's coming up. Mm. It's like in like one month. 
maybe I should do that. I was like, okay, cool. If I can wake up in the morning and do eight miles, I'll do the Hackney Half Marathon. I woke up in the morning, I did eight miles. I said, I'll do, I'll do the Half Marathon. And my point of this story is I didn't end up doing it because I ended up being away because I had to go to my water, right? But I was ready. And the reason why I was ready, it wasn't because I was this big ambition. I wasn't running to do the marathon. I was running because of the sake I was just running. Mm -hmm. So when I decided that, let me do the half marathon, because I'd been running consistently yeah. anyway, it facilitated mm -hmm. me being able just to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's been a lot of the things in my life, you know, where I've just done stuff without thinking about what comes back from it. Yeah. When I decided to do things, I've always been in a position where it's like, oh, I can actually just do this thing now because, you know, I've worked hard. When I decided I wanted to be a fully fledged barber, I didn't have to change anything that I was doing. Nothing about me changed when I said, okay, do you know what, barbering's my career. Because I'd already been working hard and working seven days a week mm. and putting in the work like as if this was the thing I wanted to do for life. Mm. Just because, even though it wasn't the thing I wanted to do for life, you know, I was thinking I might be a social worker. Mm. I might be a photographer. I might be a personal trainer. Mm. I might be a counsellor. I might be this, I might be that. Yeah. But I worked like a, a, I worked like as if that was the thing I wanted to do for life. Mm. So when I decided that I wanted to be a barber, nothing changed. Yeah. And like it's continued as normal. Yeah. What I like about you, you you live in the present, which is refreshing. I think a lot of people don't. A lot of people yeah. live in the future. They're always thinking about the next yeah. thing. They achieve something. What's yeah, next? Yeah, what's yeah. next? What's next? We all have really that slightly enjoy. though, yeah. yeah. I enjoy the moment, yeah. but we all have that yeah. slightly. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like but sometimes I feel like we have to rein ourselves yeah. back into yeah. enjoy yeah. what we've rewarded ourselves with, our hard work and everything. We always think, okay, now... I've, Okay, now I'm making 100 grand. Okay, how can I make 150? Yeah. Enjoy yeah. the 100. Yeah, right? You made yeah. that. Enjoy yeah. that, right? Yeah, Just definitely. live in it. It's cool. Definitely. That's why I, I tell this thing, right? To you. Yeah. I think it's, it's, really, it's important for everyone to hear. I say a lot of us live in the past and the future, but have never lived in the moment, mm. which means that you've never lived at all. Mm. Because the past and the future don't exist in the moment. So you can't live those moments. They're only memories and, and, and vision the memories and the vision to come. So what happens is, and I've just seen this with so much people yeah. where they're living and let's say example, the past becomes something they, rem they reminisce over. Oh, do you remember when we used to go for dinner and we used to like, you know, it was dark and it used to be really cold, but you know, but we used to kind of just wrap up warm and do things like, oh, I miss those days. But in that moment, you didn't enjoy it. In that moment, you say, it's too cold. I don't like this. And what are we doing here? And it's dark and there's no lights and this and that. Oh, we've got to switch on the heat. Oh, we need a hot water bottle. You complained the whole time for it. But now you're romanticizing the memory. So you never enjoyed the moment. And now you're acting like you're enjoying it. And you can't live in that memory either now. Mm. Then in the moment right now, everything you're doing right now, you don't like. So you keep saying that, uh, I wish things could be like what they were in the past. Yeah. And then you keep looking to the future to say, in the future, I want things to be like this. Yeah. So everything of your thought process is always to do with the past and future, past and future, past and future, constantly trying to live in these, in these, in these, in these times. Mm. And, but you never enjoy, I remember I said this one, but you're never enjoying the time. Mm. Everything about the moment, you diss, you complain about every mm. moment that we, you, you live in. Yeah. But then when the moments go, when you look back, you start romanticizing it. So you're not actually living, are you, properly? It's crazy. It's crazy. We need to live. We need to live in 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 the present, and I think it's 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 um super important. Uh, Mark has been it's been great having this conversation with you. What what do you have planned next for yourself? Um, <laughs> no plans. <laughs> I know. I might, I might write a book. I've written a book already. Okay, another one. I wish I would have given. I would have bought one. Um, it's actually in my bag. But I left. before I left, I decided to put the bag down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Write another book about how to open up a barbershop. Another point, at some point, another shaping up culture, which will be a part two. Mm. Expanding the barbershop. Okay. You know, um, 
spending time with my family, yeah. you know, taking my children out, doing a lot more. Now I'm in a time in life, I just want to do a lot more things. Like, you know, recently we've been going away a lot, but not going away far like Hastings for like two days, mm. you know, three days going Cornwall, yeah, family trip. you know, just little family yeah, trips, you know, you know, things, just things like that, you know, just in the UK, you know, just take a yeah. train there i guess i'm moving soon actually in the next few months i'm excited about that okay staying you know, in london or in london oh, in okay, london staying, yeah. staying in london um so i'm excited about that because they've been doing works on the house mm. and i'm getting for the moment a kind of you could say a studio okay. in the house well it's a spare room yeah. but while it's a spare room mm. i'm going to use it as my studio hey, wow. <laughs> you know you know until bring work to uh, bring work to home yeah yeah not a haircut studio but like content where i'll create content okay, so i have my setup right. there you know the lighting okay. will be there the backdrop yeah. will be there okay. i'll use it as a studio it'll be like a spare room so someone wants to sleep over they'll yeah. sleep over so i have a sofa bed there mm. but i'm excited about that to be honest i'm really excited about wow. you know being able just to have a space to create content yeah i'm just quite yeah. fun yeah yes yeah so just things like that you know i'm excited about moving and meeting new neighbors our new neighbors i've met some of them already I'm excited about, you know, meeting with them a bit more and just, you know, just things like that, to be honest. That, that's that's what's next for me. I love that. I love that. Look, down to earth, <laughs> humble. And, you know, I think it's th these kind of things are important. Again, it's about, like you say, it's like about living in a moment and enjoying yeah. the moment. I guess, where can people find you? Slider Cuts. If you type Slider Cuts into any platform yeah. onto the in the internet, you will find me. My website, slidercuts.com. Yeah. Instagram, Slider Cuts. Pinterest, Slider Cuts. Okay. YouTube, TikTok. Slider Cuts. The only platform that's not Slider Cuts is my LinkedIn, which okay. is Mark McIver. Okay, cool, cool. So, so is your full name. Yeah. Now, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much. I've, what I really liked about what you were saying, drive and not ambition and just always being there, right? I think it, it, it's quite important. It's, um, what did they say? They say, um, oh, that person was lucky, but they always, always forget the other side of the story, which is that person's lucky because they gave themselves that luck, right? Yeah, you created. You, you created, were lucky because you're in the luck. shop, right? You know, you know, you created luck for yourself. I yeah. just say so you don't think I'm stealing this, but I've got yeah. kind of like a, a post yeah. which I'm creating around that yeah. as well. Okay. Okay. <laughs> just, just so you don't think, oh, he got the idea for no, me. No, 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 no. You see, you're so polite. You're even telling me this. <laughs> so you don't think, oh, I stole it. I got a thing where it's about creating yeah. luck and you know yeah. fortune, yeah. and to how you know a lot of people think. Basically, I started observing people mm. which were always lucky. Mm. And as uh, in the post, I'm talking about the idea of like, if you start observing people which mm. are lucky and you observe their lives, you're probably going to find a similar trait with a lot of quote unquote lucky people, mm. which is a lot of lucky people are probably always around yeah. or always trying things, mm. you know, or maybe and also fail at a lot of things, right? Which they might not tell you or might not say, but you know, but they're always taking chances. Mm. So when you're thinking that they got lucky, as example, because they won £10,000, yeah. you know, and I'm not advocating gambling mm. in any way because I, I think gambling is something people really shouldn't do because I just mm. feel like it's just a bad addiction to play yeah. to get into, yeah, right? So, is, yeah. you know, but if someone was gambling all the time and they won £10,000, mm. someone's like, oh, that person just, so, that guy's just so lucky. Mm. And it's like, well, not really lucky, you know, that's his, like, you know, his 100th bet. Or he's thousands bet, right? Yeah. You know, and also maybe he has lost twenty thousand pounds mm. and won ten thousand pounds, you know, but in a more a situation which is in gambling, it might be he's so lucky, you know, mm. he just got that job. But it's like but he's applied for you know, for a hundred jobs. Yeah. You know, or he's so lucky because, you know, he was just walking down the street and things happen, right? For example, I remember this this is kind of say luck. When I was younger, I was in I was in some advert. Mm. But here's what I'm gonna say, it's luck and it's not luck. Mm. I was walking down the street in Kentish Town. Mm. I was with two or three of my friends and my friend had purple contacts. 
You know, and this is when everyone's wearing contacts, right? But they were going for like the, the hazel eyes and yeah, the yeah. kind of green eyes, right? But for some reason, I couldn't afford contacts and he just had these purple ones. So I said, oh, do you know what? It's, I'll take them, you know? <laughs> it is what it is, right? So I'm walking down Kentish Town and this, we walked past this lady at the bus stop. We're going to the bus stop and we walked past this lady. I'm about 13, 14. And this is when I was going to Sylvia Young, the, the drama school. And she notices my eyes because she thinks, oh, like this boy's got purple eyes, you know, this black boy with purple eyes. It's weird, isn't it? Right. So we stop at the bus stop and we're next to her. And I'm talking about going to Sylvia Young mm. to my friends. Like, oh, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I got to go to um, class. Like mm. it was either today or tomorrow, whenever it was, but we're talking about me going there. So she hears that. Right. She's listening to my conversation. Like, oh, he, oh, he acts. Mm. So she, on the spot, she says, you know what? We like, I like your look. And we you know we're actually got this, this advert we're doing. Right. Mm. And I think you'd be good for it. And because she's hearing the fact that I act. And I'm talking about um, acting. She gives me the job, and I get and I get the job. Mm. You know, I, look, I get paid. I remember I thought it was a lot of money. I got paid thirty pounds to wow. do this thing for this company called Juice Up. You know, and they made me kind of like. And the, and the thing is, it get, the drink came out right, but then it went bust. But <laughs> <laughs> it was in shops though the drink. Yeah. But you know, I had to do this advert, and I had to say. I remember my line still like Juice Up comes in three luscious flavors: strawberry, orange, sunshine, tropical, mm. and something else. And then I had to say, and just like girls, everyone has their favorite. Mm. You know. But that came, you could say, by luck, because you know the lady just spotted me. Mm. But then it's like, but is it lucky because I go to I go to acting school? And the reason why she thought I could do it is because I was in acting school. Mm. You know, so am I lucky? But I'm in acting school every week, yeah. and I'm talking about going to the acting school. So you know, there'll be things like that, which is partially luck as well, right? Mm. But if I wasn't in drama school, I wouldn't have got that job. No, probably not. No, you know, yeah. if I, you know, I'm lucky if I'm in the shop all day long from. 9am till 6pm mm. and I stay there anybody that comes in that day I'm more likely to get that person Yeah. so am I lucky when I cut Richard Blackwood who comes in well in that case you were but that that that's because you created that but you created like yeah. you, put, you, you, yeah. you created a space up. and you created yeah. like um, and the habits and everything that you were there and then when your opportunity came you were you were able to to perform yeah same thing right. like I remember I cut LeBron, craft, not yeah. LeBron James I cut Dwayne Wade right yeah. and this was kind of like you could say luck to some degree we were going up there to cut LeBron and all of those people there and he wasn't in the Olympics. Yeah. And I didn't even know who he was, to be honest. I, I'd, I'd always heard his name, Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade, right? So I went in there, right? I went there early. Mm. I always told people early's on time. I went there early. I was just there and Dwayne Wade was there, right? And people were talking, they're like, yo, D-Wade, D-Wade, D-Wade. I didn't know who he was. I was like, D-Wade, cool. Mm. And he's like, to the lady who's like, who's organizing it, like, oh, what? Can I get a haircut? Like, what, there's a barber here. And she was like, yeah, 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 you know, we got you. She was acting like a if like, at that moment she took it, she was like, yeah, you know, we got you, but I'll just stay early to, just to sit up and be early, right? So then I cut his hair, right? He wasn't there. He just came to watch a game just because he just to support them. I think he was injured, right? And I cut his hair, right? And then it's like, okay, great. Got a picture with him. Got a picture of his haircut. Okay, great. I was lucky because he wasn't supposed to be there and I wasn't supposed to be there. But was I lucky? Because I came early yeah. so that I could set up and just so I could be prepared and ready. And that's why I always tell people, early is on time. On time is late, late is unacceptable. Yeah. Now you get there early to prep, to prep yourself. Mm. It's something I kind of live by. Mm. So when I was there early, this opportunity came up. Mm. So it didn't even infringe on anyone else I was supposed to be cutting. Because yeah. I was there early. Yeah. But I was lucky. Or was I? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. So I guess um, for me, do you have any final words for the watchers and listeners? No, <laughs> you talked a lot today. I, I've talked about everything, you know. You yeah. know, no, yeah, no, just you know, work hard, study whatever you're doing. You know, I leave them then work hard, study whatever you're doing, 
any industry you want to go into, do not ever go into the industry as a boss. Go into it as a servant and work your way into the industry to becoming the ultimate servant, which is a boss. Because people don't realize that being ownership and being a boss is actually just being the ultimate servant because you serve a lot more people. With all the 25 people that I work with and, and work for work for me, I serve them because I need to make sure that when there's business coming in to pay them, you know, ultimately I see myself as a servant, you know, to them. They all want my attention for different things. You know, I have to give them my time. And that means I'm serving them with my time, you know, with my energy, with my efforts, you know, my customers. I serve them when they come and get a haircut. I'm a servant to them because they ask me for a haircut. If they say they want a skin fade, I can't say no, I'm not giving you the skin fade. Mm. I can technically, but I can't say no. You know, they pay me. I'm a servant. So ultimately, I'm just a servant to all these different people. I'm a servant to my family, my wife, my children. I serve them as well. So I've always feel like just understanding, changing the mindset around what we think, you know, ownership and being a boss and being a leader is. Leadership, ownership, being a boss is being an ultimate servant. Amazing. Amazing, Mark. Great final words. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Really, really appreciate your wisdom and all your experience uh hope to get you in a year's time to see 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 what's what, what's going on sure I'd love um to. watch as listeners hope that you've enjoyed this episode of takeover experience and we'll see you next week's episode